Welcome to the Connection Podcast. I'm Jason Keister, the show's producer, here with hosts Drew Boreen and Lexi DeLuna. Let's get ready to connect with somebody new today. Welcome to the Connection Podcast. We've got a special guest on the show today, Jordan Moon. Say hi, Jordan. Hi, everybody. Jordan's already been here, so we don't need a long intro for him. Um, you were at the Kevin Durfee episode, right? Yeah, I had the, the chance to interview Durf. Yeah, that was a good one. One of the goats. Yeah, he was one of the goats here. And then we have another guest host, a new guest host, Bethany Bear. Hello. Say hi, Bethany. I also do not need an introduction. Yeah, and then we have Lexi joining us. We got rid of Drew successfully. Yeah, we did, like, <laughs> repeatedly. One remains. Just yeah. <laughs> no, he's in Switzerland right now. Um, so I know a lot of listeners of the show are going to want to know the result of the third versus fifth ward volleyball. And how did that end up, Bethany? Fifth ward represented. Yes, they sure did. You guys just have more youth. Yeah. <laughs> and well, your youth didn't show up. Yeah, no. literally. Wait. Yeah, it was like I, me and my sister. Yeah, it was yeah, actually, there was, there was <laughs> only two. There was only two youth from. Oh yeah, yeah. And then we up. stole. Like Danny was there, but he literally came as a friend from Fifth Ward. But we got him on our team because, yeah. But I also feel That's like sad. Fifth Ward cheated. Also, you guys had Brother Morris as middle the entire time. I yeah, swear. we were rotating. So if we're gonna we're gonna do this. <laughs> uh, you have a D1, two D1 college athletes. Yeah. I'm End 80, of story. 80 and a 30-year-old boy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, the rotation wasn't wasn't completely fair on our end. <coughs> uh, was, I No, I, well. We played to win. I want to throw Peter Raven under the bus a little for that because I saw him in the back like, are we here to rotate or are we here to win? That might be like paraphrasing, but but I mean, I'm telling his bishop honestly. Yeah. That's very the reality is like <laughs> there were some we had some inexperience on our team, and on your team there was a lot more experience on your team, and so we we were trying to compensate for the lack of rotation on your t- on your guys's end because we'd rotate in and then we'd have some individuals who were less experienced, therefore might be costing us the game, and so I think that's why that rotation on our end was implemented. Is because there was almost a lack of rotation on your end. Mm. But I don't know. How do you guys feel about that? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I just feel like it adds to the bad blood. Yeah. Just saying. Because, like, in the, I walk in seven in the morning, actually, 6 30 in the morning for bishopric meeting today and i see already in the glass case for fifth ward is the volleyball trophy <laughs> it's already posted <laughs> like so obviously obviously you guys want to rub it in yeah we we definitely yeah. are going to let that just kind of go by the wayside and, and forget should we do a stake volleyball tournament this year I think no so. no it depends on how many I think friends you third ward is going to third ward is going to get last <laughs> i think it would be fun i think we need to like recruit Outside the ward, like well, bring so some ringers in. Whether we did in the ward or out or that kind of stuff. But if you got third wards, like if you had a good representation from third ward, you guys, the game would have been a lot different. Like if you had some of your senior boys, your, 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 some of your older girls. Those uh, don't exist. Even oh, we got Ammon. Ammon could have. Ammon doesn't come to, maybe. Yeah, maybe. And, and then you guys have There's some. like three seniors. 
some the Boreans, the, the Boreans the there showed up. It would have been a different. It would have been a different story. Yeah, yeah no one showed up from we'll third. Do, we'll do next That's year kind of and sad. we'll recruit hard. Yeah, we'll have a recruiting strategy. I don't know if I'd like the recruiting thing from the from the Bears from Stetson and Bethany's because they got connection to athletes, like straight up athletes. Oh yeah, if we're going outside, yeah, if they're gonna, they're gonna. I mean, she knows knows Damian Lillard. Like she's about to call (laughs) Dame Dalla up and (laughs) come play church volleyball. You do know Damian Lillard, don't you? I do. Wait, why do you? He's not a volleyball player. No, but I bet he could like. Hold his own. How and why do you know him? I went to school with him at Weber State. What the heck? Yes. Yes, we used to watch Teen Mom and eat Alfredo together. (laughs) 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 What? That was about the fanciest uh, meals got those days, and they didn't know how to cook. So noodles and jar Alfredo sauce. Out there eating well. That sounds like a pretty good time, actually. So when you were at Weber State, they didn't have like, you were on like a student meal plan that you could go and do? Um, no, because we lived in the dorms, so we got like a stipend. Oh, okay. So they spent it on Denny's and Hot Pockets, and we spent it on also Denny's and Hot Pockets. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I had enough skill to cook that, you know, for someone that doesn't cook, they thought it was Those really breakfast, those really breakfast fancy, Hot yeah. Pockets, though, were good. Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny because as a kid we never got that kind of stuff there was eight of us and so i should be grateful that my mom like made everything from scratch but as a kid like we wanted all of that crap and so the first thing i did when i went off to school was like hot pockets and toaster (laughs) strudels and you know i've never tv dinners (laughs) i've never had a good hot pocket yeah no i never i don't think i've ever had one you've never had a hot pocket no, I don't think so. They they burn right in the middle. They're like cold, and then <clears throat> until you get to the middle, and then you just scald your mouth. I could go for a hot pot. It's like drinking right a wax candle, pretty much. Yeah, there's definitely a list of things I ate enough in college I don't ever want to eat again. So that's on the list. So probably probably good. Yeah. So so we can't like make you a hot pocket and Alfredo dinner. I think that would be. <laughs> Also eat Alfredo. <laughs> Hot Pockets, so Hot Pockets and Cliff Bars. I don't ever want to eat those. Cliff again. Bars, I don't know. Those are no thank you. I ate those every day for like two years. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question for Bethany. So Jordan shot you with a nail gun. Tell me more about that. <laughs> Voluntarily <laughs> shot. She wanted it. <laughs> I let the intrusive thoughts win that day. Um, <laughs> I just am one of those people that I want to know firsthand what things are like. You know, you hear of people like getting, oh, this is really morbid, getting like shot and stabbed and things like that. And I just wonder like, what does that feel like? Like, what does it feel like to get stabbed through the hand? You know, that kind of thing. And, you know, obviously I have some sense left in me and I don't want to be stabbed through the hand, but, you know, I just think it's interesting to know, like, what does it feel like to get hit with a cattle prod? That doesn't feel great. So I thought, what is it like to get shot with a nail gun? Like that happens in construction. I feel like every construction worker, it's kind of a rite of passage. Like they nail their hand at some point. So I asked Jordan to use his medical expertise to tell me where is the least (laughs) dangerous place? (laughs) Where am I not going to have to show up at urgent care and explain that I did this on purpose? (laughs) So (laughs) it just happened to be like through the elbow skin. Couldn't feel so, it. Yeah, 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 totally. You so know, this this story needs a little bit of context, right? Yeah. So this is this is New Year's Eve last year, right? This was yeah New Year's Eve twenty twenty one. So yeah, and uh, we're all hanging around at friends at a friend's house, 
And the, the night's winding down. We had dinner. We got done playing some games, which is also a diff, definitely an interesting experience with Bethany. <laughs> um, her competitive nature comes out. It does. It and does. Uh, anyways, we get talking and Bethany goes on about how she wants to know how much all these things feel like or what these things feel like. Right. I want I want to be stabbed. I want to be shot. I want to I want to be like cattle prodded and branded <laughs> and, and all these things. And we're like, well, let's make some of this stuff happen. So if she wants to be like, I'd be happy to do stuff. I'd be happy to shoot her or something like that if she wants to. So yes, can... he readily volunteered. And so then we we came to the conclusion that, hey, we have a nail gun here. <laughs> and then let's, let's do it. And so, but to finish out the story, Bethany also shot me with a nail gun. Oh, I didn't know that. Right? Well, he was nice Extra. and volunteered. He didn't, he thought like it was only fair, but... And so she, after I shot her, was a, yeah, gentleman. Then, yeah. then, then she shot me through the elbow skin. But there's this weird history between me and Bethany where we have shot each other a couple times. That's true. We went shooting with, as a family, we went shooting together, and she wanted to know what it felt like to be shot with a BB gun. That's it. I didn't get that experience as a kid. <laughs> I feel like I missed out. And so I, vol- I happily volunteered to shoot her with the BB gun. And I shot you, and then she shot me. Did so it's just this. Yes, Stetson is smart enough not to do that. He's like, I will not be the one to shoot you with a BB. No, no, there's there's too many things can happen. I'd shoot you anytime, Bethany. I'd shoot you anytime. (laughs) So where did you shoot each other? In the I think we I think it was in the bum. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean that's that's a very standard spot. I I remember BB gun wars. And then I hit his belt. Yeah, she's not a very good aim. So I think she got three shots on me. Like yeah, I those, those are a mentally. lot of places. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it didn't feel great. But so now we know. Got that out of the way. But now we yeah. know. That's good. That's so. good. I feel like um, we need a YouTube channel or something. Things that we could do to Bethany? <laughs> With the Jordan, yeah. I feel like we need more common sense is what we really need. <laughs> yeah. We might as well leverage it. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting. Absolutely sure. All right. Lexi, get us back on track. You want to start with our standard <sighs> intro? Jordan. Um, let's see here. Tell us about where you grew up, who you grew up with, your family now, maybe where you went to school, and your profession. All right. Um, I grew up in Seattle, Washington. Um for those of you who know me, that's why I'm a Husky fan. Uh, I grew up just outside, uh, just outside Seattle. So a big Washington sport fan. Seattle Seahawks, Seattle Mariners, Washington Huskies. Um, I grew up in a family of five. So I have three older siblings, two older sisters and an older brother. And then I have a younger sister. Um, we grew up just a pretty traditional family, a pretty traditional childhood. Um, not a whole lot of money growing up, but we did a lot of fun stuff. Um, tried to do as many outdoor things as possible. Tried to play as many sports as possible, um, which is kind of the outlier for my family. Um, uh, most of my most of my siblings played a sport, but I was kind of more into it than most of my siblings. When I graduated high school, uh, I went to BYU Idaho for a semester, and then I went on my mission. Um, came back. And then I went back to BYU Idaho, and now I have a beautiful wife, Natalie, that we met at BYU Idaho, and then uh, got four kids, aging from twelve to six. We like to dirt bike and four wheeler and ski and 
playing lots of sports. No, that's, that's about me in a nutshell. I went to, uh, I work in the medical field. I'm a, I'm a PA, a physician assistant. Um, I get to work with Jason Keister. We work at the same clinic. Um, so yeah, I've been, I've been doing that. I've been working in family medicine for about six years here locally. So yeah, that's about me. Um, you said that you wish you were a real doctor though. What is distinguish right. between what you do now versus real doctor? So as a, as a PA in this setting, in a family practice setting, um, I get to do pretty much everything that, uh, Jason Keister does where he's a, he's a doctor. So as a PA, I get to do most things or everything that a doctor gets to do in, in, in a family practice setting. Um, but I don't have the title of doctor which I didn't think was going to bother me. I didn't think that that was going to be a big deal. I just wanted to help people. And I still just want to help people. But sometimes in certain situations with certain patients, they don't, I don't get the respect from the patient that I, that I desire, or I guess maybe the trust from the patient that I, I desire because I don't have that MD behind my name. Um, it has nothing to do with money or anything like that. It, it's more of a, a respect from my peers and a respect from my patients um, to have that to have that doctor behind my name. I've had some in instances where, you know, talking to the orthopedic specialists or uh, different different specialists and, and they find out that I'm a PA and I feel like the treatment is a little bit different than if I was a doctor. And so from that instance, from that perspective, that's why I wish that I was a a real doctor. How long have you been working in family medicine now? I know the answer, actually, but how, how long have uh, you been doing? So I graduated in 2016, and, and this job that I currently have right now was the first job that I got out of out of school. So 2000, September 2016 is when I moved to here to Springfield and started working in family medicine. And a lot of, for people who don't know, I think this would be an accurate statement that physicians, assistants, or PAs tend to change jobs fairly often. Doctors do that too. Yeah. What do you think made you stay all this time? Um, well, the, the original plan for us was to get a job, stay for a little bit, and then, and then ideally move back to Idaho. My wife is from Idaho and we, we really enjoyed Idaho where we went to school and, and, and where she grew up and that kind of stuff. And so the plan was just two years to be here and then move away. Um, but we fell in love with the area. We have some family here in town that we have grown close to. Um, and we've made some some amazing friends, some of which are in this room that we we couldn't imagine leaving. And then from a job perspective, uh, my job was just really everything that I that I wanted. Um, I had autonomy and I had the I had the ability to make decisions for myself. Um, the management and 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 physician team weren't. Um, uh, they respected my work. They respected my decision-making process. They just, um, and I felt needed and wanted and important. And so we decided to stay for a little bit. And so the, the next plan after that was another two years and then we'll leave. And then at that four year mark, uh, we had an opportunity to buy into the practice and, and kind of solidify our footing here locally. And so, uh, it took a lot of prayer, took a lot of fasting to say, Hey, is this really what we want? Is this it's like our is like a big adult decision, right? Hmm. Is this is this where we want our kids to grow up? Is this where we want our footprint to be? Is this can is it okay to say that our kids grew up in duck country and <laughs> you know they go they, they they go to school and they celebrate duck 
every Friday and that kind of stuff. And but I mean, the decision was easy, right? The Lord made it known unto us very, very clearly that this is the path where He wants us to be on, or this is the location He wants us to be in. And and uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's it a conglomerate of things that made us stay here and, and that kind of stuff. What do you like about your job? I like dealing with patients. Um, it's challenging. Uh, it's mentally challenging. Uh, you get to build relationships with individuals that is is life-changing, right? It changes my life, and I'm hopefully changing uh, their life for the better. Um, I like the intimacy that you get with the patients, that they come and tell you their deepest, darkest secrets, their their biggest concerns, and they ask for my opinion. They ask for me to, to help them. Um, and I enjoy helping people. I enjoy kind of working with them to solve their problems. I enjoy doing things uh, to help people. I like doing procedures. Um, and I like being a leader. I like being a good example and, and having people learn from that. And so I get the opportunity in this job to help lead. Um, and yeah, so I, I there's lots of things that I like about it. I like that in the medical field, there's a kind of an inherent respect for for medical providers. Um, I enjoy the pressures of of being on top of your on top of your medicine, on top of your on top of your knowledge at all times. I, I enjoy those kinds of things, and so kind of keeps me on my toes. Um, but I like it. I thought your favorite part was the maggots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I do get to deal with some maggots and skin sometimes, and. And nasty skin wounds, and and there's definitely some fun and, and nasty stories. But did you know that, Lexi? That sometimes we see people with maggots in their feet. And Does that happen often? Uh, more than you think. Yeah, once yeah. would be enough for me. <laughs> yeah, I've, seen, me I've definitely that, seen it in six years. I probably see it. I mean, for me, it's not all that common. I've probably seen it three times in six years, where there's maggots. Like, there's a nasty wound that smells like nope. Nasty. How do people get to that point where they get maggots in their skin from a wound? Like, so oftentimes they just, that, they just leave that wound undressed, right? Like it's just open to air. Right? And so there's just nasty oozing stuff and maybe a fly lands on it. Maybe some other bugs lay their larva on it and it just starts to grow. Yeah. A lot of the time they don't have feeling in their feet at that point. Yeah. Ugh. I can show you a picture afterwards. That's gonna. I'm I'm good. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I'll pass. <laughs> um, I did have one thing I wanted to say on the PA versus you know MD thing, um, because it comes up every once in a while when you and I talk. Yeah. And one thing I've always felt, and I've shared with you, is. You know, if if you're talking about somebody that's freshly graduated out of school, yeah. and you you. Let's say you're having a family member go to see somebody freshly graduated MDE versus PA. You probably say like, go see the, go see the medical doctor. Yeah. But I think once you get beyond that point and then you let's move to somebody who's seven years in practice, I think the letters behind your name are almost irrelevant. You know, I, I think who becomes good at their job from that point on is really more about what kind of person they are, how dedicated they are, how yeah. curious they are. Yeah. Um, and so if it was a question of somebody who's been in practice for a while, do I see a PA or an MD? I'd say depends on the person, you know, it, it's uh, so I, I have respect for you the same as I would for anybody else. 
you know, yeah. and I'd, I'd never view you any different. You know, I, I appreciate that, Jason. Um, and I, I mean, I, I agree. And I, I like to think that most, most PAs take pride in their craft, take pride in their knowledge and, and try to provide that care. Mm-hmm. And it's sad to me that there's still some sort of perception amongst certain yeah. people that PAs don't uh, do that. So I, I, yeah, I'd like to get into advocacy for our, for my yeah. profession and, we we have to we need people you know and I think if we go to a spiritual parallel to this you think about Jesus yeah you know who was he choosing he was he was choosing fishermen mm-hmm. um, people from all walks of life and yeah. and yet if you really want to think about it the people who would have had the quote unquote letters behind their name would have been the scribes and Pharisees right yeah but he saw something in other people he saw their potential to grow and be something. And I, I think that's the truth in our profession. It's, it's those people who really are determined to grow the growth mindset, people who are curious, who love what they do, who mm-hmm. love the people. Those are the people who grow. I, I think the letters behind your name are superfluous at some point. Yeah. Well, I think in my experience, I've had great experiences with PAs. And sometimes I feel that the care is more, I wouldn't say quality wise, it's better, but I feel like it's more genuine. And maybe it comes from them kind of having a chip on their shoulder. Like they need to work harder to prove that. And so I feel like sometimes, you know, with doctors, it's like get in, get out, move on with your day. And I feel like there's been a lot of times in my experience with PAs where they want to sit down with you and they want to talk to you and they want to build a relationship with you. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't know if that, obviously it's individual. I've had amazing experiences with doctors also, but. Yeah, I feel like maybe sometimes that comes from them wanting, you know, to show that they are just as capable. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think that if you're a good PA, then you're probably going to have a chip on your shoulder, right? You should have a chip on your shoulder because there's people out there who are going to doubt you. And uh, in my my opinion, you go out there and prove them wrong, right? And you, you get that education and, and you continue to grow that education. And, and, and so... Yeah, I, I I think PAs need that chip, need that drive, so they can gain that respect. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about some stories here. Um, let's go to Bethany. Bethany, what do you want to talk to Jordan about now? <laughs> I want Jordan to tell a sleepwalking story. <laughs> <laughs> just just any of the many. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell the one where I ruined your your. Wait, so you sleepwalk a lot? Uh, I I sleepwalk. <laughs> I sleepwalk. Probably weekly. Uh, most of them are just mild. Like most of the time I just wake up and I think that I have something to do. And then Natalie, my wife, yells at me and says, get back in bed or, or sternly tells me to come back in bed. And then I try to convince her that I'm actually awake when I'm not. And, and I can vaguely remember these experiences, but I probably sleepwalk once a week. If I'm stressed, if I'm stressed out, it, it happens almost nightly. Um, but the story that I guess the story that I'll tell, uh, this wasn't planned, by the way. I, I didn't have this story built up. But anyway, so we're at last year, we we're at um, Florence. We have a, an awesome group oh. of guys uh, that once a year we go out to Florence and we go ride dirt bikes and four wheelers and camp for a couple of days. And I was sleeping in Bethany's trailer with her husband, uh, Stetson, and, and uh, I think Peter Raven was in there and, and that kind of stuff. Anyways, it was the first night and I just had a stressful week at work and I'm sleeping in this trailer 
and I wake up and the trailer is shaking back and forth, weight going back, and it's we're going into the ocean, right? And so I freak out and I'm in this, I'm in this panic mode where I have to save everybody. I have to save Stetson. I have to save save Peter. <laughs> and so I'm, I go and I, I shake Stetson. Stetson, Stetson, we're going in the ocean. And then I run to the door. <laughs> I run to the door and I can't figure out how to open the trailer door or like the, the RV door. And so I'm just yanking on this door. Like those things aren't sturdy, right? Those handles aren't sturdy. <laughs> and so I'm yanking as hard as I can on this door. And Stetson comes up and like pushes me out of, this, out of the way, opens the door and says, Jordan, look, like we're fine. And I'm all confused. And so he's like, go back to bed in his, his manly, angry voice. And I'm, just, I'm so confused. I'm standing there like shaking my head, trying to figure out what's going on. And he goes back to bed. And then so I try to close the door, but I can't close the door. So I'm still yanking on this door, trying to slam it shut. In the meantime, I break the handle of this door. Sure did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he knows. I break the handle. Stetson comes back up. Pushes me out of the way, slams the door, and says, go to bed. So I go to bed, and then I kind of like, and that's when I kind of come to, and I realize, like, what just happened? (laughs) And then in the morning, we see the damage that's done to the door, and I apologize and that kind of stuff. But that's probably, I have, Natalie has a couple funny uh, sleepwalking stories that, yeah, but yeah, no, I, I'm a sleepwalker, man. We need to get into these some more, actually. <laughs> so I knew that story, but it sounds like you almost have to get up and retrace your steps. Like, wait, what are what all did I do? Yeah, yeah, no, it's and so it's it's weird. I don't know anybody who doesn't sleepwalk, but like you have a vague memory of what's happening. Like you have like this. I can remember clearly what I was thinking, and I can remember for just the absolute terror that I was having. That I was I had to save Stetson and save save Peter. And try to save the trailer and get out before the waves came crashing. We're all drowning. It's because you're a good PA. Yeah. You're... <laughs> I remember that dis- like distinctively. I remember that feeling. And then just that panic. But yeah. Um... Well, I think it helped for Setson to know that this was like a thing for you. <laughs> because he was like, well, he said at first he was like, we're nowhere near the water. Yeah. What is going on? And then he realized like, oh, he is serious. <laughs> And Peter, in true Peter fashion, was six feet away and didn't even had wake no up. No idea. Slamming the door ten times. <laughs> yeah. Didn't even wake up. Peter slept through that whole thing. Oh, oh Peter sleeps through everything. Peter is so unbothered by life. <laughs> <laughs> he is so just. I think he slept there. through one of his child from his children being born or something oh. like that. <laughs> yes, he is yeah. very unbothered, which I guess was a blessing. But I yeah. need to ask him Great. his strategy yeah. for that. Like <laughs> he's out. That's. Really good. Are, yeah. yeah, that's a funny story. Wow. That's a funny story. Yeah, that's about... funny. <laughs> I don't even know where to go from there. <laughs> I'm like, uh, get us back on Lexi, get us back on track again. What what stories do you want to talk about? Anything? Um I don't know. I mean, I've already heard the story. I think th- I this is Bishop's question. I think you should ask the one at the bottom because it correlates. You guys were on a dirt bike trip. Ooh, yeah. Tell us the first dirt bike trip story. Yeah. Um, so I'm a I'm a fairly confident individual, and uh, these delusions of grandeur. These delusions of grandeur, I guess. Um, and so I randomly in 2020, uh, Trump gave me some money, 
And so I randomly went out and bought a dirt bike and I never had ridden a dirt bike before. All my family members in Idaho were buying dirt bikes, but all my friends here locally had four wheelers. And so I was like, I don't really, the four wheelers are fun, but I just, it's not really calling my name. And then when I started looking at the dirt bikes, I said, oh, this is, this is going to be my, my jam. So I randomly just went out and bought a brand new dirt bike, having never, ever ridden a dirt bike before. I went out dirt bike riding one time on my own on a flat road just to make sure that I could ride my dirt bike. And I felt like it was fine. I was like, this is easy. I got dirt biking down. I was 100% confident in my skills in riding a dirt bike, thinking that that's what dirt biking was, was just riding down a road and maybe on a trail. And, and that was it, right? There's no skill involved. If you could drive a car, you could drive a dirt bike. I was completely naive. And so I was 100% confident. And then the next week after I bought it, I was going on a dirt bike ride with my in-laws in Idaho who have been riding dirt bikes for a while. And so I go, and once again, me being confident, I just, let's go. Literally within the first probably 200 yards, we're going down a steep, steep hill that's loose dirt. And I had, I'd never been down a hill. I'd never been up a hill before on a dirt bike. I didn't know you did this kind of stuff. And so my my brother-in-law told me that when he goes down a hill, he he uses his front brake to slow down. And so I was like, oh, that's okay. And and so we're going down this hill and I'm I'm losing control. So I slam on my front brake. And of course my bike goes goes over and I go over my handlebars. And so I hit the ground and my bike, my brand new bike, is tumbling down the hill. And uh that's probably within the first two minutes of me riding my dirt bike with my in-laws. And so I get all situated. My pride's hurt a little bit. And then we have to go back up a hill. You know, next thing, and I've never gone up a steep hill before. And I didn't understand the the concept of momentum and power and shifting and all that kind of stuff. And so I get about midway through the hill, midway up the hill, and I'm losing speed. So I shift down to first gear, and then I gun it. And so, of course, when you gun it in first gear, you you pop a wheelie. And so I, but I popped a wheelie and that wheelie went all the way over. So I'm now on my back and my bike is tumbling back down the hill again. Brand new bike. Felt great. (laughs) Um, That was probably within the first 10 minutes that I've did. I I had two massive crashes where my bike is tumbling down a hill. Finally, we get, we get situated, situated. And I, I figure some stuff out and we're going. And then we're going down, and I'm cruising down this this trail, and then all of a sudden, it goes steep down again, and I'm flying, so I grab my front brake again, and of course, I go over the top of my handlebars again, snap my phone in in half, get a bunch of scrapes. It's wonderful, right? Bike goes tumbling. And then the last time I fell on that trip, we're going, there was this big tree in the road, a big tree in the trail. We had to go around the tree and then kind of down this super steep mountainside and the bottom of the mountainside there's like this four foot cliff and I was like man I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go at the perfect angle sideways and I'll be fine well gravity always works and I'm not very smart and so I go and I try to like bisect this cliff at like a 45 degree angle and the gravity pulls me down the cliff and my pocket gets hooked onto the handlebars and it rips my pants from my belt to all the way down past my knees, just down that seam of my groin. <laughs> and I, it's on video. Um, Wait, how did I not know about this video? 
Oh, <laughs> uh, well, this is in my, my brother-in-law has it. I'm sure I could, I'm sure I can get it for you guys. But yeah, I just have this massive tear down my jean, um, down my pants. And that was all probably within the first hour and a half, two hours of riding. I fell four times, ripped my pants, broke my phone, flipped my bike multiple times. But uh, yeah, yeah, it was my first time dirt bike riding. That was my first time dirt bike riding. And you recently shared a talk uh, in our ward. I think you probably gave it in other words too about and I how you started turning to heavenly father and you started actually praying as you were, as you were going up some yeah. pretty steep hills and, and ended up being a, a spiritual experience for you. Yeah, it was, um, it's kind of ironic, you know, I mean, I, I wasn't saying the most righteous of things as the, as I was falling and breaking and tearing. I've heard you say some of those words before. Uh, there, was, there were some yeah. choice words coming down and my brand new pristine dirt bike was all scratched and bent and broken and, um, but as we were coming back the time of day, it was, the sun was setting and instead of kind of going the same pathway we went, we chose a little bit more of a direct route, which was kind of up and over all the hills instead of kind of around, instead of kind of going around and in between the hills, it was up and over. Um, and it just was the perfect time of night where as you're going up the hill, you're looking straight into the sun. Um, and as we're going, you couldn't see a thing, right? I couldn't tell if it was a rock, if it was a rut. I couldn't tell if it was a bush or, you know, the cliff. I couldn't tell if it was firm ground or soft ground. I didn't know what else to do. I didn't trust myself. I didn't trust my bike. I didn't trust my abilities. So I turned to the Lord as I was riding. And literally, as I'm riding up the hill, I would say a prayer. And I'd say, help me, guide me. Um, and sure enough, I made it to the top of the hill. And then as I got to the top of the hill, I'd verbally probably yell out. I'd say, thank you. Then I'd have to go down the next hill. And sure enough, on the next hill, I couldn't see again. So then again, I'd say verbally, I'd say, help me, guide me. And I'd say, thank you at the top of the hill. Um, I knew at that time that, as in so many other times, it has been manifested to me that our Heavenly Father cares about us and He cares about me on an individual basis and that He'll come to my aid and He'll come to your aid. Um, even if you've had a bad day and haven't done the most righteous of things and said the most appropriate things, He'll come to your aid if you reach out to Him uh, in earnestness and in prayer. Uh, he will be there for you in your moments of, of terror and fear. Um that's what I learned from that. Very, very interesting dirt bike ride, that first one. <laughs> what I learned from that is that your friends are not your friends. <laughs> you brothers in law. Yeah. And also, you have an incredible amount of perseverance because after the first craft, I would have started building a shelter and I would now live off grid because I would not be getting back <laughs> I would live there now. Actually, another thing I took away from that story this time is. I struggle with this idea of trying something new because I instantly want to be good. Right. And then I I know there's several things in my life that I haven't even gotten into that I probably would have really enjoyed. But it's like, I don't want to look stupid in front of the guys. Yeah, 100%. Right? And I, I meet friends like that who won't play golf, who won't 
dirt bike who won't yeah. do whatever because that's why I won't wakeboard right it's yeah. I look stupid on a wakeboard yeah. <laughs> so like do you guys struggle with that too I struggle with that yeah I struggle with that a lot I definitely do I think I didn't do rock climbing at high adventure and I think part of that was just because a I have done stuff similar to rock climbing and I hate it slash I'm bad <laughs> at it but I think a lot of it was also just that like social pressure of like I'm scared I won't be good at this or like what if I'm the only one who can't do it so I may as well just like not to begin and I I regret that I wish I don't hold myself back like that yeah. so do you struggle with that Bethany you know? yeah for sure and I think for me because people just assume that I'm naturally athletic which I am in some ways I should just be good at this and so I feel like Sometimes, like, Setson's tried to get me to play basketball through the years, which I think people just assume, like, oh. Volleyball, like, basketball. Yeah. 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 Like, I quit basketball super early on because my dad's a phenomenal basketball player, and he pushed me a lot, and I didn't like that because I was kind of a stinker. And I didn't like running, and I still don't. So volleyball's a better fit for me. And I think that because of that, I'm like, well, I don't want to play because – I'm not as good as people would expect me to be, so I'm just not going to do it. And I think that, like, yeah, there's definitely things in my life that wakeboarding, I actually did try and try and try and try and try, and then I just gave up. (laughs) But, yeah, no, for sure. I think that's that's pretty common. I think it's funny because it's so stupid when you really dissect it a little bit. No, it's I and I do that too. I I was an athlete in high school, and I I forever tell myself the story of you're an athlete, you're an athlete, but it's like it's really you're almost forty, and you yeah. haven't done any of that <laughs> stuff for a while, so you should perform like an almost forty year old, and that's you know that's okay. Yeah. Um, how do we get out of our own way with that? Like, no, I, I think that's an interesting thought of how do we get uh, how do we get past that. Um, cause I'd, I'd love to teach my kids that, that, Hey, don't be afraid of failing. Don't be afraid of trying. Uh, you're better for it. Right. The problem is, I mean, with my dirt bike situation, I think I probably would have given up if it was something a little bit cheaper than my dirt bike. Right. And <laughs> I, I, I was fully invested in that dirt bike. And so I, I had no choice, but to keep going, <laughs> like I spent too much money on that dirt bike, but yeah, I don't know how we get I mean, I don't know how you get past that of the fear of failure uh, and the fear of what people might say and the perception of others. But it it impacts a significant amount of individuals. And and yeah, I don't know how to do that. I don't know. No, go ahead. No, yeah. I was going to say, I think that like if we can just realize and it's not easy and it's definitely not easy to teach your kids like. We care way more than other people do. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like people aren't standing there waiting for you to fail. And a lot of times they are obviously like worried about themselves, you know? And if they're good at it, they're not standing around hoping everyone else is not, you yeah. know? And half the time they don't even notice. Like you fell 18 times and no one cares. I think. And so I think that. My brother-in-law's when I was, to- when I was there, they were just happy I was there. And I think yep. that's the, I think that's probably the common thought process of, Everybody who's watching you and who knows what they're doing, they're watching someone who is new to this activity or new to this thing that they're doing. They're probably just happy you're there trying. And we're the only ones in our head, assuming that they're judging us, assuming that they're like, oh, man, he sucks. Where in actuality, that's just self-doubt creeping in and everyone else is just happy for us, right? Yeah. Um, That we're out there trying new things and, and trying to be better. 
Well, I think I have a ton of respect for people that have the personality type where they're like, yeah, sure, I'll try that. For me, it's like if I know it's something I'm not good at or if I assume it's something I'm not good at, I'm not going to try it because like I don't want to look dumb or I don't want to get frustrated in front of people. And but I love people that are like, yeah, I've never done anything athletic a day in my life, but I'll do this. So I don't know. I think I have a lot of respect for them. Yeah. 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 It makes me want to, you know, be more like that, be better, you know? Yeah. Oh, sure. Well, Lexi, you got anything you want to get into? Or? Yeah. Um, I mean, okay, you put out embarrassing stories there. I feel like everyone loves a good embarrassing story. And I <laughs> yeah. think also when that's brought up, everyone has that one story on the top of their mind. So whatever you just thought of, I want you to share it. All right. So I think I don't, I don't, I don't typically get embarrassed very easily. But this embarrassing story that I that comes to the top of my mind is is happened in ninth grade. Um, I was on the ninth grade basketball team, and we did our warm ups. Uh, we did our shoot around, and this was right before a game. And then we had our coaches meeting right before the game. We was going over like reviewing the game plan, reviewing all this kind of stuff, right? <clears throat> and then we had about two minutes before game time, and so coach was like, "Hey, go do what you want. Um, go to the bathroom. Go." Whatever you want to go do for two minutes, but you got to be out. On, we got to be out there in two minutes. So I go and run to the bathroom, and the first urinal's taken, the second urinal's taken, and then there's a there's an empty stall right there, right? So I go into the stall, and as I'm going to the bathroom, there's this big hand that comes under the bathroom the bathroom door or the bathroom wall, and he takes my foot as as I'm going to the bathroom, he takes my foot and pulls it backwards. So as I'm in the middle of going to the bathroom, I'm falling and trying to brace myself against the wall and all this kind of, and pee is going everywhere. <laughs> pee is going everywhere. And so our, our uniforms are like a, a, a light green. Oh. It's disgusting. It's light green. <laughs> literally, it's, literally there's, there's pee on my jersey. Lemon lime. Like, like the stomach and chest area. There's pee all around, like yeah. in the normal areas that you would expect there to be pee, like kind of in the, in the groin area. No, I would not expect there to be anywhere but the toilet, but here we are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, and there's like, and then it's on the ground, it's, it's, and everybody's laughing. It's just something that we did on our basketball team. Like if you were, if you were going to the bathroom, expect something to be happen to you, whether like you, they kick your foot out or they kick your knee out or they push you and there's something that was done. And so, and I was starting and so, and I go to my coach and he's laughing at me and he was like, we don't have any time. Like you need to be out on the court and I don't have time to go open the storage shed and get you another uniform. Right. This, you, we have no choice. And so I go out, my parents, like family's there, friends are there. I come out and there's pee on my uniform, all over uh-huh. my uniform, obviously dark, like it's significantly darker than the rest of my uniform. And it was great. It was your jersey number that year, number one? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been great. No, 25 was always my basketball number. Okay. Did they, I mean, uh, I'm not defending a guy that's got pee on him. So I guess <laughs> well, that was, it. that was going to be my second question. Is these, did you score like 45 points that night? Or? <laughs> not, I'm never much of a scorer, right? I was more of a, a defense and rebounding kind of a person. More of a pants peeler. <laughs> yeah. But I don't, I don't remember. Like I didn't have any wide open shots, so I'm, yeah. So you didn't have like you know like Michael Jordan at his flu game. You didn't have the peeing your pants game. game. No, No. I didn't have the pee game. (laughs) Everybody got a good laugh at that, and 
Yeah, that's my most embarrassing moment. It's pretty yeah. good. What else do you want to talk to Jordan about, Bethany? I want to talk about Jordan. I don't know. I want to I talk about something that has been on my mind for years with you, Jordan, because I feel like you're a hype man. <laughs> like you have a special, for people who know you pretty well, you have a special and unique way of making people feel good about themselves. And I, I've never really seen you be a me guy where you sit and just talk about accomplishments or stories of Jordan. You're always like trying to make other people feel good. Um, where does that come from? Is that, is that just something growing up or where does that come from? Um, I get, I get true enjoyment from watching other people succeed and, and watching other people have fun or accomplish their goals. Um, like it's it's pure joy that comes comes to me when when I see like yesterday Jason and I were out snowboarding and I've seen this progression in Jason where he's dedicated his his winter to his craft right and we went snowboarding 3 years ago together when when Jason was this he was a new snowboarder right and then to see him this year to see him tear it up on the slopes and go through like these uh, the, the deep snow and carve and heel side, toe side. And it's pure joy to see someone succeed and accomplish their, their, their goals for me. Uh, it happens every time that I see my daughter score a basket and she looks up to me and she's, you know, super excited. That happens every time that a friend buys a toy, like a, a boat or a four wheeler that they know they've been working towards or really wanting, or my wife accomplishes a goal of hers. And I'm just, uh, it's pure joy of of watching other people succeed and be successful. And I think that's where it comes from, is I just truly enjoy other people succeeding and accomplishing something that I know that they've been working towards. Um, yeah. That's you are what I, a good hype man. I don't know about that. I have a good <laughs> Like, I, I love watching you play volleyball. <laughs> I have a good hype man. <laughs> I loved watching you play volleyball that's on Wednesday. So nice it was It was wonderful to see... Bethany, a D1 college athlete, come and, and get back to a craft and see her play some volleyball. I loved that. Oh, that's nice yeah. of you. So here's my Jordan hype man story. <laughs> if you ever, yeah, it was funny, Jason, when you were talking earlier about, um, you know, like having confidence in other people. And Jordan is overly confident about other people's skills. <laughs> <laughs> We went on a date night ride. This oh, my was, like, gosh. Last summer. We thought, like, we'll ditch the kids. Because, like, they're just baggage on four-wheelers anyways. And we'll do a date night ride. So we can, like, actually ride. You know, Jordan is the only dirt biker there. There's, like, four couples. Everyone else is on four-wheelers. And Jordan has probably done the, the most riding in that area that we went. And so we kind of rely on him to know the trails. I am portable. And so we thought, okay, we'll let Jordan pick. And we'll follow Jordan. Because Jordan knows what he's doing. <laughs> Jordan picked a super cool trail. For a dirt bike, <laughs> it was not a super cool trail for the four wheelers, and it was pretty muddy at the time. And we're going down this trail, and it dawns on me very early on, like 
25 <laughs> yards in. This was a terrible idea. <laughs> and she let me know. <laughs> I am also, I'm towards the back. So I can't like yell at him and tell him to turn around. This is stupid. And so I'm just, and like Stetson's so great too about just like, you're fine. You can do it. You know, he has all the confidence in the world in me, which is a blessing and a curse. And I am not, I'm very, very, very like hesitant and careful and worst case scenario type. So I don't push myself out of my limits because I just like, I'm super anxious about like that. So we're going down this trail and Natalie, I can also tell is not thrilled about this. So it's (laughs) Natalie and I and Setson's behind me and we come to this hill. And there is like small hill. It is not well, yeah. If you're on a dirt bike and you can fit, but we are like either <laughs> side, we are just just barely getting down this hill. And it's muddy and it's slippery and it's super steep. And so I turn around to Seth and I'm like, there is no way. And he says, just get off. I'll write it down for you. You can walk down. I'll walk back up and get mine. So Natalie in front of me, and he tells Natalie, he says, I'll, I'll, I'll write it down. She goes, no, I think I got it. She's so cute. <laughs> Gets it down all on her own. Someone else rolled their four-wheeler down. It was horrible. And wow. I was not having fun. I was so mad. I was so mad at Jordan. I'm like, this is so dumb. Like, how did he think that this was okay for the rest of us? So we get down to the bottom and I am fuming. I'm like mad at Stetson. He's like, you're fine. This trail's fine. We get down to the bottom and Jordan is so happy. He's like, guys, that was so much fun. We had the best time. And I was like, what? She, she let me know she wasn't happy. I was like, I am never going on a trail that you pick again. That was stupid. That was, and I think everyone else was like, Everybody I didn't did think it. it was that bad. But he was. He was like, you guys did great. I'm so proud of you. And I was so angry. It's like, I'm never following you down the trail again. I didn't think they still, yeah, Jordan still picks trails like that. I I followed him and Peter like on our last trip. Yeah, horrible idea. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Following Peter is a different story. Oh, following Peter is ridiculous. And also, you just have to realize like realistically, is this like a fun for dirt bikes or is it fun for four-wheelers? Because there is a difference. There is a difference. Yes. This was a four-wheeler trail though that we would do. It was... Not very fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I will never do it again. <laughs> but he is. He has all the confidence in the world in other people. And he loves to see them succeed even when they're griping the whole way down. You did so good. <laughs> <laughs> you were so happy. <laughs> God, the time of his life. Needless to say, I took the long way around on yeah. the cave to grab road. <laughs> I wasn't going back up that. Um, tell us a little bit about your mission. Um I know that it was ended up being a really good experience, but there was some struggles there, right? Yeah. Um, I think, where did you yeah. serve for starters? Uh, I served a mission in the Philippines, Philippines San Pablo mission. Um, I'll have a debate with anybody that wants to debate about the greatest place to go on a mission. My argument is the Philippines. Philippines because you teach the gospel like crazy, right? So it's just like the South American mission, missions where the people are very receptive, they're very kind. Uh, they're very friendly. The gospel is thriving in the Philippines. Um, so I taught like crazy. Um, you go to a cool place, right? You go to a tropical jungle um, that's beautiful. And you get to speak a cooler language, right? You get to speak Tagalog. So it's not Spanish. It's not Portuguese. Everybody speaks Spanish. Every missionary speaks Spanish and Portuguese. 
And so I think the Philippines was, uh, I think the Philippines is the coolest mission on the earth uh, because you teach like crazy, but then you get all those cooler aspects than going to South American missions. I know I'm going to catch a lot of gripe about that, but uh, yeah, um, serving the Philippines, it was a struggle at first. Um, I knew right off the bat that the Philippines was for me. Um, I knew that as soon as I walked into the country, uh, that it was it was dirty, and the food was gross, and that kind of stuff. And that's right up my alley. Like I'm, I love trying nasty stuff. I love, I love like give me give me some nasty food and I'm gonna try it. Give me give me some dirty water and I'm gonna drink it. Wait, that, that's why you go to Taco Bell all the that's time. Why I go to Taco yeah. Bell, man. Give me that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I knew right off the bat that place was for me, um, and I was ready to hit the ground running. And uh, the first day was very evident to me that I was in a different different country. So the first day I got on, I was going to my area. My area was six hours via bus <clears throat> on to, to my area. I get on the bus. I'm sitting next to my companion. My companion immediately falls asleep, and he's asleep for six hours straight. Right, so I have nobody to talk to. Um, there's pigs and chickens running around the bus, like in the bus just free. Um, there's literally a kid peeing right next to me in the middle of the highway, right? Oh, you know about that. Yeah. 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 And And I remember this like it was yesterday. Um, the song by Usher, the yeah song by Usher was playing and a music video was playing up on the TV screen on the top of the bus. But the, the music video was not of Usher. But it was a pornographic, uh, pornographic movie that was playing on the picture. So it was like a pornographic music video where the girls started fully clothed, and then by the end of the song, they're fully naked. And so that was Usher, yeah. And there was a, it was this two-hour-long video of different music videos of girls dancing fully clothed. And at the beginning of the song, at the end of the song, they were naked. My companion's still asleep. I can't speak to anybody. There's chickens and and pets and pigs and kids peeing all over stuff. And I said, what in the heck is going on? <laughs> right. No, and, and then, you know, my first night we go to the bishop's house and I'm so eager. Right. I, I tried to just in everything I do, I try to put 100 percent in. I was I was ready to be a missionary. And the bishop starts talking to me and I look to my companion and I say, dude, I can't understand a word he just said. And my companion's like, dude, he's speaking in English. <laughs> I'm like, I don't understand what he is saying. <laughs> And so then, like, he has to interpret my bishop's English to me. Um, I struggled my first about six weeks, six weeks to three months of my mission. Um, I cried every day in the shower in my mission for the first six weeks. I wanted to be a great missionary. I wanted to be, um, I wanted to be who the Lord wanted me to be. I wanted to speak the language. I wanted to be Filipino. And I just wasn't. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. Um, and I'm too tough to let my companion see me cry. Um, and so every day when I was taking my shower, which wasn't a shower, it was a bucket of water with a ladle that you had to pour over your head. It's multi-use. <laughs> <laughs> and wash. Every, I cried every day for about six weeks in the shower. Um, and it was, it, was a, it was a rough start. It was a rough start. Um, Eventually, you know, I felt the blessings come from obedience and, and prayer and that kind of stuff. And the language started to come. And I wasn't crying as frequently. 
I became friends with a lot of little kids on my in that first area who for people who want to learn a language, go find some kids and they'll they'll teach you all the funny words and they'll they won't laugh at you. <laughs> they'll laugh at you, but they won't judge yeah. you if you don't know how to speak. Um and slowly I started building confidence. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was a it was a rough six weeks. I had to learn how to use that the ladle in a couple of different ways. They don't have toilet paper in the Philippines. And so, oh yeah, what's the wiping it's so etiquette nasty. on the, that? The question is, is do you want to get into this on the podcast? Wait. Yeah, no, no, no. We didn't need you to know. cover this in a young men's activity one yeah, time? See, and then I remember all the young men afterwards just couldn't shut up about it. And it was yeah, so really it, detailed. It, it bears repeating. <laughs> so in the Philippines, they don't use toilet paper. Right? They use water and they use their left hand. So you don't use your left hand for anything in the Philippines. You don't shake hands, you don't reach for things with your left hand, you don't do anything. Right. But, and they don't have running, most of the areas, they, they have running water, but only for rich people. So most people have to go to like the community faucet and fill up their water that they, they want for the day and then go back. Um, but everybody has a bucket of water next to the toilet with the ladle. Right. And so you do your business. And instead of using a toilet paper, you take the bucket of water and you pour it down. And then you scrub with your left hand. My shower. And then you take a shower. <laughs> We took. I took shower after that, right? It's natural, but yeah, um, yeah you, you just kind of you wash with your you wash with your left hand as water is running down, and then you do it again. And people think that it's gross, but I, I'll argue to this day that it, it's 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 clean. Yeah, it's, it's clean. <laughs> so Wait, did you? So, so did you end gross. up getting a bidet after that? I wanted. I wanted one for sure. But uh, I still haven't. Got we have, we have a bidet. You can use ours sometimes. Oh my gosh! Yeah. I, I might have to come come over here to go to the bathroom. <laughs> but yeah, no man. It's I'll have a, I'll have a debate with anybody who wants one about cleanliness and that. It's 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 wonderful. Are there any stories from your mission or maybe people that really stood out that you still reflect on and, and think about now? I, I think of I have. I have a lot of a lot of fun stories, um, a lot of fun food stories. Um, one of my one of my favorite people that I met, I still talk to on a on a fairly regular basis. She texts me. Um, is someone that we met, and uh, we met her through our our book of uh, our contact book. Susan is her name, um, and she had seen missionaries. According to our history, seven times before we tried, they tried to teach her seven times before, and we decided that we we're going to go try again, right? And we went in there, and I'm a confident American. My companion was a confident American, and we went in there, and we were just friends to her. We didn't bring up the gospel; we just wanted to talk to her, right? She, they fed us. We were having a good time. I was showing pictures of my girlfriend. Um, I was showing pictures of my family, and um, we were just having a good time. And then as we were leaving, I handed Sister Susan a Book of Mormon. I said, Sister, this book is true. You need to read it. And you need to know it's, it's true for yourself. And she rolled her eyes at me. And I said, I'm coming back tomorrow. And we're going to talk about this book. And so she rolled her eyes at me and said, Oh, Elder, you're, uh, the word is mayabong. She says, you're cocky, you're confident, get out of here. Um, and, uh, she put some emphasis around it. 
and, and it made it worse than just being cocky and confident. Anyways, <laughs> I came back the next day and we did the same thing. We, uh, we chatted, we talked, we brought food. Um, and right at the end, I said, sister, tell me about the Book of Mormon. And she started crying and she said, Elder, I can't believe you did this to me. But I actually read and I prayed like you promised. And I know it's true. Um, and so she started coming to church. We baptized her. Um, and then I baptized her two daughters. And then the last day of my mission, she came. She came and somehow arranged it with the mission present where she could come and see me um, as I was about getting ready to fly home. And she came and she gave me a hug. And I was like, hey, that's not legal. And uh, <laughs> and she was like, I'm, I'm like, what are you doing here? And she was like, I'm on my way to the temple. I'm going to go get sealed for my, I'm going to go get my endowments out so I can get sealed to my husband who passed away. Um, and so in the Philippines, because they're all poor, they don't have a, now they have multiple temples, but back then they would go to the temple for like a week straight. They have a, a the MTC there is right next to the temple. And they had a place where members could just sleep for free. And so they'd go up to a, for a week and they just do temple session after temple session after temple session and really get that kind of ingrained in their system. And so have lots of great experiences with Sister Susan and, and her conversion and that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's really neat. I am impressed when you talk about the impact of the Book of Mormon and her conversion to um, as a missionary. A lot of us even come into the mission maybe not having read it or yeah. we read it once, right? Yeah. Um, what did the mission do to help you develop kind of faith and, and testimony in the, in the Book of Mormon? Uh, well, I have, a, a, I have a, a profound testimony of the Book of Mormon. Um, despite what I'm reading uh, for Preach My God or, or uh, Preach My Gospel, what's the... Come follow me. Come follow me. Yeah. Despite what I'm reading and come follow me, I always make it a point to continue to read the Book of Mormon. Uh, the Book of Mormon changed my life. The Book of Mormon is, a, is the foundation of my testimony. That's a testament of the Book of Mormon is my the first thing that I ever learned uh, about what a testimony was and how it impacted me. Um, reading the reading the words of the Book of Mormon is is calming and soothing and comforting to me. Um yeah, I mean the the mission the mission reinforced that tenfold as I read it and read it and read it. It's it's, it's an absolutely essential part of my testimony and my conversion. What, if anything, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, but what is special to you about the Book of Mormon um, relative to kind of books of scripture? What what really stands out to you? Uh, it's relatable. Right, I feel like the I feel like the Book of Mormon is relatable. The stories are relatable. There's emotion in these stories, yeah. right? You you get Nephi's emotions. You get his frustration with his parents. You get the wife's frustration with Lehi. You get you get these emotions of these prophets who are anguishing for righteousness, who will do everything and anything to fight for the freedoms of their people, um, and then the stubbornness of some of these people, and then their conversion processes and and it's it's perfectly relatable to me you know i can i can personally relate to nephi and my desire to be obedient i can perfectly relate to malachi's or um 
Abinadi, excuse me, and his desire to share the gospel and bring others to the and others uh, to the gospel. I can perfectly identify with Ammon as he goes to the Lamanites um, and the and the, the sons of Mosiah. I love Captain Moroni and his pure desire to achieve freedom and to maintain his freedom and to fight for what's right. Um, it's just so relatable to me. It's so easy to read. It's fun to read. Um, the stories are wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I wanted to ask you about how you met Natalie and I want to preface it a little bit because you and I, Jordan, were in school at the same time. We should time. have crossed paths. We know we, we crossed paths. I, I wonder if we crossed paths. And I don't know, maybe on the other side of the veil, we'll figure rewind. that stuff out. Yeah, we'll we'll rewind exactly and go back. What, what so happened? We had, all this, we had the exact same major. We had yeah. the exact same classes. You graduated one semester before me. So yeah. we had to have crossed. We were definitely in the same building, but probably in the same classroom at least once, probably a couple yeah, times. Yeah, we had to be. And I actually was in the same ward as Natalie for yeah. a couple of semesters. And uh, the funny funny part when we met actually is when I first saw you, I recognized Natalie before and, yeah. oh, I know her. Yeah. Um, at the time when we were in the same ward, you know, she's, she's empirically, you know, attractive young lady. Natalie's a great person. And, you know, the... It's like, hey, what's her deal? And it's like, oh, don't don't even bother. She has a yeah, missionary. Hundred percent. Yeah, Same she's story for me. She's off limits. <laughs> and so I I see her with you, and then I'm like, oh, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the same story I got. Um, so we met at BYU Idaho, um, and then I saw her, and I was like, oh snap, she's cute. And uh, my roommate knew her from high school. And I was the Elder Scrum president at the time, or in the Elder Scrum presidency at the time. And so he was like, dude, you and the Elder Scrum president in, in college was like kind of a, arranges all of the, the family home evening groups and all this and home teaching groups and all this kind of stuff. Right. And uh he was like, dude, you gotta make their 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 apartment. Like they gotta hook us up. Like we gotta be <laughs> their family home evening group, we gotta be their home teachers. Um, because their apartment they had they had a bunch of good looking girls in that apartment. And so I must have been the first counselor because I got overruled by the president who took Natalie's apartment. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to say he was more spiritual. No, because he overruled <laughs> me because I won't because we want I wanted that and he overruled me and he took it. And so as a that first day of the semester where it was like, hey, this is our first ward activity. My roommate who kept talking about Natalie uh, came and introduced me to Natalie, and so I you know I introduced myself a, a brief conversation. And that was kind of it. I just kind of thought she was this cute girl. And and then the next day, I'm walking to class and she's walking home from class and I see her. And I was like, dang. So here's my shot. Right. And so I, I go and I'm like, hey, well, hey, Natalie. And she looks at me like all awkwardly and like, uh, do I know you? And I'm like, oh, yeah, we met, you know, we met last night. I'm so-and-so's friend. Um yeah, how's, and then we just kind of kept talking, and she apologized. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe next time I see her, I'll ask her out or something like that. So then Sunday comes around, and Natalie's in my ward. And so I go, and I, I go, oh, hey, Natalie, how's it going? And she looks at me with the same dumb look, that like dumbfounded look, not dumb look. <laughs> and she's like, 
like, you seem to know me. Do I know you? And I'm like, are you serious, girl? Like you, this is the third time we've met. You don't even remember meeting me, let alone my my name. You don't remember meeting me. And so we have reintroduced myself again. Um, and then uh, I kind of backed off at that point. Um, and I talked to my my eldest quorum president who was her who close became close friends with her and her roommates. I was like, what's her deal? And I found out she had a missionary. She's gonna marry this missionary. Um, and so she's kind of off limits. She'll go on dates, but she's not, you know, I wouldn't waste your time kind of stuff. Um, and then I went home for Christmas break and I kept thinking about her. Like, I was like, man, she's just, she's just so wonderful. She's so cute. And so I, she became my new year's resolution. Uh, Natalie, (laughs) Natalie was my new year's resolution to ask her out on a date. And so I came home or I came back to school and like it's like she just barely dyed her hair. Like she she went a little bit more blonde, I think, in her hair. And I saw her and I was like, and there was just this weird kind of connection that we both felt. Um and uh we went bowling as a as as a bunch of friends and we were flirting like Oh, to the Rex. Yeah. 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 And she yeah. said, Do I know you? <laughs> <laughs> well, throughout that semester, we we'd hung out a couple of times. Like our friend groups were close enough that we kind of hung yeah. out a couple of times that semester and got to know each other a little bit. We worked right next to each other. Uh, I worked at this the the bookstore. Oh, the yeah BYUI bookstore. Yeah, I worked we at, had to have crossed paths. Yeah, dude, point. I was on the calendar at BYUI. I was on a couple of pages of the calendar. I don't know if you knew that. Oh no. Yeah, I was on the website. I was yeah, I was a big deal, dude. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I well, it's because I knew the photographer, and I was like, dude, you got to hook me up. Give me on. <laughs> yeah, I knew the photographer, and so, um, and she worked at the bagel shop. Remember that bagel bagel shop at BYU Idaho, right next to the. Uh, Right next to the bookstore as you're walking oh, to the yeah. man-wearing center. Yeah. Yeah, the man-wearing center, the MC. She used to work there. And so right as that semester started, I would always pass her. And I would, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm a food guy, so I'd always go get some bagels or a, a free bagel, like a free little sample of a bagel. I can't pass up free food. Well, they had free samples. When Natalie was working there and she knew I was coming by. She oh, well, you got free samples. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah no, so, and, and I didn't know that, but Natalie was having some free samples because she knew I was coming by to start work. and. We just really hit it off that some the beginning of that semester. I asked her out, and um, things things started going really well. She dear Johned her boyfriend for me, which is wonderful because I got dear Johned on my boy, on my mission. So it was just like the circle of life happened. Yeah, yeah, it karma, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's about yeah. I just had to make that happen again. Pay it forward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He wasn't too happy, um, and then. We got so we started dating officially early January, having been kind of friends that first semester, and things things progressed naturally, and we got married in August. So we had a pretty short engagement, pretty short date dating, and happy ever after. Yeah, she got I we got married two weeks before her boyfriend came home from his mission, and his mom came to our reception, and was like bawling. In the reception line, like, I wish you would have married my son. And it was just completely awkward that I was there and she was complaining, crying about her son not marrying her. And we love you. We wish you would have waited. And yeah, it was bad. Her other ex-boyfriend showed up to our reception too. He was like this big, huge rugby player. And I was like, I'm going to have to fight some guy on my, on my wedding night. And I'm going to get beat up. Like, this guy's a big dude. But it was cool. He was a nice guy. <laughs> 
But that's how Natalie and I met. I, I proposed in Disneyland. Oh, that's um, cool. Her family took us, took a big trip to Disneyland, and I proposed in Disneyland right next to the castle. Yeah. Yeah. So I was pretty, when we first met, I was, I guess I was pretty forgettable for her. <laughs> well, I, I like that combination of short term memory loss and yeah. sleepwalking. That's, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we that's, we make an interesting couple for sure. <laughs> Do you guys want to talk about anything else? Well, I don't, I don't think so. I think we had a good time. This yeah. is around the time where the conversation starts dying, and then we yeah. end, end the podcast. So, um, Levi, my son, is like dying to ask you a question, though. What's up? He's like, yeah. Yeah. So, is he gonna he get wanted to mic? be a guest host. Yeah. You can come take my spot. Um, so the, the first thing I wanted to get into a little bit, Jordan, is you work with young men. Yeah. Uh, for a long time. Yeah. And I, I want to actually hear Levi talk about what it is about Jordan Moon that's so great. Because um, not that I don't think you're great for other reasons, but... You know, when we talk about doing something like, you know, snowboarding, whatever, it's like, oh, okay, I guess, Dad, maybe. But then it's if if Jordan's going, it's, oh, Jordan's going, let's do that. And I I wonder from Levi what it is about Jordan uh, that's so awesome. And then from you, maybe just some insight on uh, how you do relate to youth and what that calling, you know, working with youth has been like. And, yeah. and then Levi... You can do our final question too. Okay. All right, I'm gonna let you take my spot. But tell Jordan about what it is about Jordan. Yeah, big Jordan. country, big countries <laughs> in the building. Jordan, uh, we talked about you're just the hype up man, which is awesome, and also you're just a really good teacher and a really good friend to hang out with. Who just, you know, it's just fun to hang out with you. Well, you know, I, I appreciate you, big country. Uh, uh, I, I do enjoy being with the youth. I enjoy being with the young men. Um, it's fun to see you guys grow up and that kind of stuff. But I, I like I like it because it kind of brings out. I like hanging out with the young men and the young women because I, I get to be, you know, I, I get to I get to be the fun sometimes the fun leader, and uh, I get to talk a little bit more childish and not be so professional and I. <laughs> I get to do fun things with you guys and but it comes naturally to me to to talk to to talk to kids and talk to youth and have fun with them and um sometimes I feel like I wish that I didn't have to be like a a leader and I could just like be there and not have to like keep kids in line and get them to do things because I don't like being like the more stern type but yeah no I I love I love hyping up kids as they're doing football and doing wrestling and picking up snowboarding and, and, and all that fun stuff, man. I, I love hyping up the kids and, and helping them achieve their goals, uh, going to their games and, and, and that kind of stuff. Um, youth are just fun and they have a lot to add. They have a lot to, I learn a lot from the youth. Um, but I feel like I relate to them. I relate to some of their struggles. I relate to their desires and it's easy for, it's easy for me to turn on my kind of, teenage mode i had i had a very good time with alexis alexis brother um brandon who's out on a mission right now we had a good relationship with just having some fun chilling talking 
Um, he, I still today don't know what this means, but he always asked me to put a, give him a rip in the chat. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Um, but he always, would, hey, hey, brother Moon, can I get a rip in the chat? And I'm like, yeah, man, take it. <laughs> I don't know what it means, but yeah, I have so many things with so many youth where it's just, it's fun. You have nicknames for different youth and yeah. I mean, my, my goal is to get to the point where these youth can trust me and know me and, and they can come talk to me if they need it. But I love teaching the kids because it's easy to teach kids. Teaching adults, like they don't even care. They just don't even listen. But I can I can say some silly stuff to some youth and they can teach they'll they'll laugh and listen. So but yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Levi. You want me to do the last question? Right. Big country. Yeah, I'm gonna ask you our last question because right. I kind of been that uh question asker recently. Uh, what role had being a member of the Church of Jesus Christ had on your relationship with Jesus Christ? Um, that's a good question. That's a great question, uh, and I've thought about I've thought about this a lot. As I've I've you know the, the church has changed <laughs> recently, right? Or the the mindset around the church has changed, and lots of people are leaving the church. Lots of people are questioning the church. Lots of people have. Um, says, oh, the church is wrong for this, or the church should do this, or they should change their stance on this. And, you know, being, being, or living here and living in the world and being in tune with politics and that kind of stuff, you question yourself, right? Uh, you question, hey, is this the right church for me? Is this church even true? Is Jesus Christ still my Savior? Um, and despite all the answers to those things, I know in my heart what I've felt and those things that I've experienced where he came to me in my time of dirt bike need, right? Or those times where I know without a shadow of a doubt that that wasn't just a coincidence, but that was the hand of God acting on my behalf. Despite what I feel about certain topics of the church, I know that my Redeemer lives and I know that he loves me. And I know that even if I wasn't a member of this church, though some of my choices may have been a little bit different in regards to the word of wisdom or this and that kind of stuff, I love my Savior too much to realize or to, to neglect him and to feel that he wouldn't be a part of my life. He's too much of a part of my daily life for me not to include him. So if I wasn't a member of the church, I believe firmly that he would still be a part of my life. And he, I would still kneel down in prayer every night and ask him to bless my kids as I bring home COVID every day from my job, help them not to die on a respirator or help my wife to get over anxiety, right? I love him too much to neglect him like that. And so if I wasn't a member of the church, I can't see my life not including him, right? I would have to because I need his help so much. I suck at dirt bike riding. I need his help, right? Uh, and I, I can't lead Bethany down the trail. I need his, I need his help to help Bethany not crash, right? You're only a PA. <laughs> I need help, right? Every day I pray on my way, to, on my way that I will be able to see past what the patient is saying and understand what's really what's wrong. And help me not to get frustrated with how they present 
but help me to see them as children of God. All right. I couldn't do my job without him. I couldn't be a dad without him. And so for me to say that he wouldn't be a part of my life was just discrediting him and his power. Um, and so because of that, I could never doubt him and I could never leave the church because I know those things. Like I feel those things, you know what I'm saying? So I don't know if I answered your question. I think you answered it pretty, pretty good and powerful message there. Um, I think we'll probably, probably end the show here. We didn't get into Taylor Swift very much, guys. I'm sorry about that. Is T Swift? Eva, what'd you say? Oh, I'm down you, for some Tay Tay. I thought you said, "Thank uh, gosh." Did, so, are, what do you a... what do you think of Taylor Swift? <laughs> um, she's full of drama, but she has great songs. She's like the number one associated artist with our podcast. Now. I feel like <laughs> okay, she's full of drama, um, but I'm definitely down. Yeah. I feel like she's not in a bunch of like current drama though like maybe here and there just because she's simply like a celebrity but she's not like the celebrity to be known for like getting into drama like she's actually pretty chillax like she kind of just stays at like, home I feel and like does her nothing songs are just are just full of drama that's like, okay that's valid well like her her songs are always about like um what's this latest song that she sings um Hi, it's me. Sorry, it's me. Anti-hero. It anti-hero yeah. Sorry that you're always rooting for the anti-hero. Like how much, how much attention is she asking for from her significant others or other? Sorry, you're always rooting for the person who's the anti-hero. I don't know. I mean, that song resonates. With I don't know. That resonates just, with me. I, I always. I don't know. It's just like, so oh drama yeah, I am the problem. Oh no, she is. That's why all the girls love her. It's yeah. just drama filled. It's like, Coming hey, like I just imagine that as a conversation that I'm having. Or like that she's having with her with her significant other. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, it's me again. That I'm ruining our relationship again. It just seems, it just seems overdone. But then he again, I sets in. He could tell you all uh, about. It. But then again, I catch myself singing it in the shower. Like, hey, <laughs> me, whatever, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, the the shower seems like a really important place to you. It does. <laughs> it does. I eat, I eat the shower. Eat pizza. Like, I've, I've I eat eaten pizza in the shower. When you no! get yeah, when you get <laughs> when you get home from like a, a high adventure. I don't think I'm yeah. starving. Snowboarding last night. I've, I've never eaten in the shower. It's not like the food is in the shower. Multitask. Like, no, but it's still weird. Well, every need every when you get home from a long trip, every need is in the red. So you just yeah. address them all at once. Yeah. No, I yeah, like never. you you eat, bathe. I stretch. I think the most I've done is I'll like keep my hydro flask next to me, like literally everywhere. You'll drink, I am. Well, you'll drink in the shower, but you're getting like that's gross. Well, we, no, like we draw the line at pizza. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like toothbrush or teeth in the shower. That one's also weird to me. So I'll, my I'll, brother's I'll, toothbrush will just be in the shower. <laughs> like you keep so it there. One time I was one time I was stretching in the shower. This sounds weird. Like it was like I played basketball the night before. I lifted weights the night before. Or something, and I was stretching in the shower, and I was going to go do a quad stretch, like where you pull your heel behind you. Why did in you the do process, that? In the process of me like bringing my heel up behind me, I hit the faucet and I broke the freaking faucet off the wall. <laughs> and so, like, water is just going everywhere. This is in the house that we're living at, and I'm like, 
How in the crap? And then the, the Taylor Swift lyrics came into your head. Do you think like slippery water is a good place to stand on one foot? You've been looking at it all wrong. This is uh, <laughs> this is efficient. And no, time, it's not time effective. Anyway. This sounds dangerous. More time effective. That's the more only, cost effective. That's the only time that's ever happened like that. <laughs> well, I hope it will be the that last. was a really expensive stretch. More expensive than physical <laughs> therapy. My heel really good yeah. too. But yeah, no, this. Um, Jordan's favorite color is blue for everyone that wondered about that. Only blue. Yeah. I know. He would render. We don't have to talk about the other he colors. He's embarrassed likes. to say yeah. purple. I'm not embarrassed to say purple. <laughs> That's all. That's purple is a good color. All right. We're going to bring you back sometime, Jordan. But for now, let's, let's right. end the podcast. Thank you, Bethany, for coming and joining us. Yeah. Thank you. That was fun. Hopefully, you had a good time. I had a great time. And thanks as always, Lexi. Of course. All right. Thank you, guys. This episode of the Connection Podcast. We're on most podcast carriers, so please like and subscribe. The show's art is done by Joel Boreen, and the music is provided by Drew Boreen. We look forward to connecting to you next time. Until then, take care. <laughs>